God's good. Well, let's get into the Word of God this morning. If you've got your Bibles, turn to uh, John 2. If you haven't got your Bibles, if you have been around church for a while or you've heard some stuff in Sunday school or stuff in schools when schools used to teach stuff, you'll hear or you know about the story of Jesus turns the water into wine. And this is Jesus' first public miracle before his ministry starts. And I want to give you some thoughts from there this morning as we continue in the, the celebration kind of theme. So on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples had been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood sticks, stone, water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside, verse 10, and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. This is the first of the miraculous signs Jesus performed in Cana and Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. We'll leave it there, and may God add his blessing unto his powerful, truthful word. Well, I want to just share some thoughts this morning as we're celebrating the amazing story, what's happened with the Greenfields. God's doing this sort of thing all the time. And I want us to just look at this just for a few moments now. So the first thing that I want to sort of say is this, is that, is that Jesus' biggest ministry was to come and save the world, wasn't it? He had a plan set ahead of him. But this is how amazing Jesus is, the one that we serve. In the bigger plan of trying to save the world and do what he did, which he took some time out to celebrate. Now, firstly, you need to get hold of that. Working all the time, doing and missing the moments that God has put in your life is not going to be good for you. But we see Jesus right at the beginning. Not only did he get invited to the wedding, so I'm guessing Jesus was, was okay to hang out with. Jesus didn't say, well, actually, I've got this bigger mission that I've got to do and I've got to get on with this. I'm not going to come. He said, no, I'm going to take some time and I'm going to celebrate with you. What am I trying to say is, is that, firstly, Jesus took time out to celebrate. And, and I want to challenge you all, throw out this morning, take some time out from the busyness of life to celebrate. What's going on in your life? Celebrate your kids. Celebrate that achievement, this great achievement we've seen here that God has done for the Greenfields. 
Take moments to celebrate. Celebrating is important. We see Jesus took time. He was bothered by the celebrations. And, I, and sometimes, if you're like me, I might seem like I'm the soul and life of the party. Sometimes, I don't want to go out. Is it just me? Yeah, I think it's probably just me. But I'm all like cozy in my house. I've been sent down the yard three times to get wood for the burning fire. And I don't want to go out. You know when you're cozy? And then you feel you've got invited to that party or to that thing. <sighs> it's got nothing to do with the person. It's just probably because I'm just miserable and I'm cozy. and I'm It's important to take time. I take myself to places all the time you do where you feel like you don't want to go. But you know you've got to go because you love that person. You need to celebrate that person. So Jesus goes to celebrate this person. Interestingly, Jesus could have made it about himself. But he didn't make it about himself. It was about celebrating this beautiful couple that were getting married. (laughs) He took an important time out of his work, out of his mission to spend and celebrate with people. See, I believe this, that our life, our mission, whatever you're on the journey to do, taking time to celebrate is a big part of that mission. Because we see here, Jesus went to celebrate. He ended up blessing a number of people. So when you go to celebrate whoever that person, yes, celebrate them, enjoy them, make it about them. And maybe God is saying, actually, you should be here for this reason. Not just to celebrate, which is important, but I've got something greater for you to do here. I don't know how many times I've been at parties and I've sat with somebody and I've managed to pray with them. Or I've managed to share Jesus right into that situation. I've been to judo parties. Sounds like it's a weird party. Presentation night where everybody is drinking, bar me. If you want to drink, I'm not against people having a drink. Obviously, be wise with that. And I find myself, as men and women are getting drunk, as they're doing various things, ministering to people in the corner, praying for their elderly relative who's got some form of illness. So Jesus saw it was important to celebrate the people, but he also realized there was time to minister within that. And we need to take time to, to celebrate. Take time to, here's an interesting thought that I have. You know when things are going on in life and we've prayed for God to do something or move? What happens when he answers? What do you do? Just have a think. What do you do? Do you just get on with life? I've tried to get into the habit that when things have been prayed through and God has turned up, celebrating with Jesus. You're nuts, Pastor. You're nuts. When we were going through the stuff of Reuben nearly dying and he died in my arms and we're praying him back to life, the moment he was breathing again, I celebrated, me and my wife celebrated with Jesus. What do you mean you celebrate with Jesus? I know who healed that boy. It wasn't anything to do with me. 
I knew only Jesus could have healed that boy. So the moment he opened his eyes, and the moment the little monkey ripped my glasses off my face, I held my wife, and I held my boy's hand, and we celebrated with Jesus. What am I saying? Is take time to celebrate with people, but also take time to celebrate with Jesus. Jesus did that. If you are praying something through and you get an answer, it might not be how you expect it, but you'll get an answer. Celebrate with Jesus. We hear the story of 10 lepers, don't we? Got healed by Jesus. The one thing that affected them, the one thing that changed their life. How many came back? One person came back to celebrate with Jesus or to say thank you. So take time to celebrate with people. Because in that celebration, I believe God can use you. It might be just to have fun, to support, but actually there might be an opportunity to be on greater mission and celebrate with Jesus when things turn out, when you've prayed, turn out better. And the impossible situation has been moved. Because Jesus took time to celebrate. We see here in verse 1 to 3, 2 to 3. So they've been invited to the wedding. Verse 3, when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Firstly, without letting too deep or too spiritual, too... If your mum says something to you, do it. My mum, I love her. I do. Sometimes I want to bury her in the patio. <laughs> but when your mum speaks, we have to listen. And maybe you don't have the opportunity of having your mum around anymore. Well, listen to your spiritual mum. So we see Jesus is listening to his mum. And she says this to him. And I know when my mum brings me a job, she's not sort of saying to me, do you fancy having a look at that? She's basically saying in a roundabout way, can you sort that out? Can you fix it? And can you do it yesterday? I don't know if what your mum's like, but my mum has a way of asking me a question where it's not actually a question, it's basically you need to do this. So Jesus' mum asks him this question. Or tells him this thing. We have no more wine. And he says, woman, why do you involve me? My time has not yet come. His mum, realising who he was, said to the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. This is what I think. That Mary wasn't probably asking Jesus to do a miracle. She was simply hoping that her son help solve a major problem and find some wine. Maybe he needed to mix down to the 7-Eleven. Maybe whatever was equivalent. I don't believe she was asking for a miracle. I'm just like, son, can you do something about this? And Jesus responds. He's going to do something about it. You see, 
Why would she probably go to Jesus? Because if you look at the, the context of some of this stuff, if you look at the history, the history books will tell you that Joseph by this time has probably died. So she's used to going to Jesus saying, I, I need you to be the man of the house. I need you to be the one that's going to look out for me. So it wasn't odd for her to ask. She was used to asking Jesus for help in certain situations. Jesus' answer to Mary is a difficult to understand. It's hard to get your head around that, that Jesus says, don't bother me, why are you bothering? But it's hard to understand that. But maybe that's the point. Although Mary did not understand what Jesus was going to do, she trusted him to do what was right. Maybe we don't understand what Jesus is going to do or what he's saying, but we trust he's going to do right. Jesus is going to do right by us. He only wants good for us. He wants the best for us. We might not understand it, but let's trust in him. I don't want to live in my understanding. I want to live in Jesus and God's understanding. So if we live in that place, things are different. So she didn't understand maybe what he was saying, but she knew that he was going to do something about it. See, in those days, even in these days, if your wine runs out, it's a bit of an embarrassment, isn't it? Imagine having a party and all your Fanta Pop or whatever you're calling it runs out. Full fat Coke runs out, then some trouble kicking off in this place. All your wine. There's an embarrassment, isn't there, if, if that was to happen? And it's the same, even more so in those days, that if wine or something ran out, major embarrassment. You see, this is how Jesus works. We see here in 1 to 3 that Jesus met the need. Not a want. Jesus met the need. And I want you to understand this morning that Jesus will meet your needs. Did you, did you hear me this morning? Jesus will meet your needs. Jesus won't meet your wants, your needs. And we see here, he met the need of the couple. And here's an interesting thing. This is what Jesus does. Jesus is operating, he's going about his business, he's turning the water into wine, not once do we hear that he went to the, the, the couple and embarrassed them. Oh, I can't believe you haven't got any flipping wine left. What are we going to do? Jesus specializes in meeting our needs, but he specializes in not making us embarrassed in the process. Some things that we need that he will provide, but he's not in the business of embarrassing us. So maybe you're thinking, that thing's going to embarrass me. That thing, that person's going to get hold of it. Jesus is not in the business of that. He's not in the business of embarrassing you. He's not in the business of airing your dirty laundry in the whole of public. He's in the business of restoring. He's in the business of meeting your need. And we see he meets the need and he provides this beautiful, beautiful wine.
We have a God, we have a Jesus that wants to meet our needs. What are you in need of this morning? What are you in need of this morning? Because Jesus wants to meet that need. And he doesn't want you to be embarrassed in the process of that. We don't see the couple being embarrassed. We see them celebrating at the end that they had the best. Jesus wants the best for your life. I suppose here's the flip of the question. Are you prepared to give your best to Jesus? So we met a need. And we see here, this is a heartfelt need. See in verse 4. Verse 4, we see, we see further on, we see she's saying, do what Jesus tells you to do. She didn't understand, but she trusted. How often do we walk through life, we don't understand, and then we trust ourselves. Jesus is saying, put your trust in me. So Mary didn't understand. She trusted that Jesus would take care of this. She trusted that Jesus was going to come good. Are you prepared to allow Jesus to be the trusted one in your life? She trusted him. We see here that she submitted to Jesus in verse 5 Mary submitted to Jesus way of doing things she recognized that Jesus was more than a human son he was a son of God when we bring our problems to Christ we should know we should understand that he will take care of every problem we bring him every situation and our plans and always, generally, different from his plans. I don't know how many times that I've said to God, and I need to learn, I've said to God, if you do it this way, and you did this, and you wrapped it in that bow as well, I'll be happy. And God says, hold on, who are you? Tell me. How to do things. This is my conversation with God. Son, I know what your need is, but allow me to work what it out. To work it out. To show how. And the more that I submit to Jesus, the more these things come good. The more I submit to Nathan Weaver, flipping heck, do I get in a mess. Always getting in a mess. Always putting my foot in it. Always. You have to submit to Jesus. And Mary submits to Jesus. His understanding, his wonder, his glory. I don't know why we think we know better. We always think we know better than Jesus. If you learn nothing today, we do not know better than Jesus. He gives us understanding. He gives us skills. I've walked into situations and I'm like, Lord, I need you to show up. 
you've shown up. I walked into other situations thinking that I've got this. Wow. I'm like half an hour into a meeting thinking I have not got this. But I submit to Jesus. So we see Jesus took time to celebrate. He took time to celebrate with others. And we need to celebrate with Jesus when things go well. He met a heartfelt need. And he won't see you embarrassed. And he'll meet your needs and he won't see you embarrassed. We see Mary trusted him and submitted to him. And the disciples submitted to him. And the servants submitted to him. You didn't see the servants saying, what's going on? Who does he think he is? They're like, somebody's going to get it in the neck here and it ain't going to be me. So let's see what this man Jesus can do. We see Jesus meets the need. I'm going to come off my notes now. So strap yourselves in. Jesus wants us to submit to him. Every part of your life. You can have this. You can have that. But you're not having that. That's the bit he wants. He wants you to submit to him. He wants you to do it his way. He wants you to trust in him. say this a lot and I say it a lot because we need to get hold of it that obedience is better than any sacrifice are you hearing what I'm saying obedience submitting is better than sacrifice does he want us to sacrifice yeah I believe he does but he wants us to be obedient so we see Mary says do what he says and they've been obedient to that and God and Jesus shows up Obedience is better than sacrifice. Verse 10. We see that the chief taster, that's a great job to have, isn't it? In fact, they should bring that back. I should be, I shouldn't be a pastor. I should be a chief taster. Yeah. Food and stuff. Imagine, that's great, isn't it? Sheila, would you like me to taste your food every night? invite me around then <laughs> chief take what a job remember that advert for, I'm going off a little bit here but you remember that advert for Walker's Crisps yeah. say to this big lad what do you want to be when you grow up chief tasters for Walker's Crisps and I'm like that's my kind of kid <laughs> so they go to the chief master he tastes this. And I'm guessing he's expecting some cheap plonk. And he's probably ready to give it the old. <laughs> so we're probably expecting that to happen, aren't we? He's probably thinking this is some cheap plonk here. I'm going to be ready to spit this out. <laughs> what other pastor does that? You're going to be talking about it, aren't you? This is what he does. 
I don't know where to spit it now. Actually, and I think the chief taster, this is me reading between the lines, doesn't spit it out. He's that is gorgeous. Now, I'm reading between the lines, but my point is, is that this wine was better than the wine before. So here we see it's gone to the chief taster, and he says... Most people will put the best at the beginning and then they will serve the cheap plonk at the end because people are all drunk and out of their heads by then and they don't realise. But you have saved the best till now. This is the amazing part of the miracle. That over your life, the best is still yet to be written. Are, are you hearing me this morning? Over your life, the, your, the best is still yet to be written. And you might have been seeing, seeing some things in God. You might have seen some good things in life. He might have blessed you. The best is yet to be written. You might have seen some good stuff up front, but whatever stage of life, yet the best is yet to be written. Why? Because of Jesus. Save the best to last. It's funny, isn't it? We live in a world where we look for everything for excitement. We look to this thrill, to that thrill. When really we should go straight to God. Because in Jesus, there's better to come. Let me ask you this. Maybe you don't know Jesus this morning. Maybe you've done things your way and maybe you think this has been best and that's been... Why don't you try Jesus' best in your life? Because Jesus' best is better than anything that the world can offer. Better than what anybody else can offer. We see the best to last is served. I believe this passionately. There's always something better to come in Christ. Always something to look forward to in Jesus. What are you looking forward to? What are you looking forward to? Because in Jesus, whatever you're looking forward to, there's something greater. I felt some of you need to hear today that over your life, whatever the stage of life it is, the best is yet to come. There should be some more amens in the room. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to be written. In fact, he's already written it over your life. When we talked earlier about him hanging on the cross, he says the best chapters are to be written over your life. Over your whatever. If Christ is central to that, if you submit to him, he says, I will give you the best. I think it's in Isaiah, it talks about if you are obedient to me, I will let you eat the best from the land. What's he saying? He's not just talking about food. I will let you have the best because the best is yet to be written. Just as we, as I'm speaking now, I feel the Holy Spirit saying that some of you think that your time is up. 
And it's not an age thing. And it might be a situation thing. It might be... Your time is not up. If you have Christ at the center of your life, the best is yet to be written. The best is yet to be fulfilled. That's what Jesus specializes in. Getting hold of us and saying, you think this is great now, but with me and you abiding and being aligned with me, the best is yet to be written. Over your family, the best is yet to be written. Over my boys, the best is yet to be written. Over your finances, if you've got God at the center, the best is yet to be written. Are you catching what I'm trying to say to you this morning? So we see in this story of Jesus going to his first miracle, which is important, his first miracle, we see he took time out of the busyness of life to celebrate with ones that he loved. He was right in the midst of it. And I don't think Jesus is a party pooper. I think Jesus turned up to that wedding and he sat in the court. You know the ones in the, don't know where to look, but you know you have like those so many parties, you might be them. You sit in the corner out the way and you don't talk to anybody and you're not involved in singing happy birthday and you're not like, just stop being miserable. But Jesus, I believe Jesus was right in the middle of that party. Bringing life, sharing, convening with people, shaking hands, kissing babies. We need to take a step out of our busy lives and celebrate people. And I went on to say that when God has come good for you, celebrate with him. We'd rush God, would you do this? Would you fix this? Would you show up here? And he does. And then we rush on to something else. Take some time to celebrate with Jesus. I want you to understand this morning that like when the wine went, that God can meet or Jesus can meet your every need. Every need. There's not a list I can't meet that. I can't meet that. I certainly can't meet that. Every need that we have, Jesus can meet it. Put your trust in Jesus. Trust that he knows best. Submit to Jesus. Do what he tells you to do. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Sometimes people say to me, I'm not hearing from God, Pastor. Well, I think he's already spoke. You just haven't been obedient. And you keep going round in circles, round in circles, round in circles. And God's saying, I spoke to you. Be obedient. Trust, submit to him. And I want you to know over your life, two things.
Firstly, if you don't know Jesus, don't put off knowing him. Don't save the best till later. Because if you have Jesus at the center of your life, the best can be now. But over your life, with Jesus at the center, there's always better to come. It's always better to become because of Jesus. I'm privileged to look around the room and I know some of the things that you're going through. But there's always something better to come. That heartache that you carry, there's something better to come. That mourning that you carry, the word of God tells me that he can turn that to joy. That job situation, that life situation. And and hear me, when Jesus is central, and this is what I'm saying, Jesus was central to that wedding. Jesus is central. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to be written. Should be some more amens in the room here. Because I know in my life, I need some of the best of Christ, of Jesus to come. I need something to look forward to. You can just bow your heads for a few moments. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you in this? What's he saying to you? Here's the challenge. If the Holy Spirit is saying something to you, how are you going to respond? Because it's it's no good just having the Holy Spirit speak something into your life if you don't respond. I go back to what I said before, obedience is better than sacrifice. So if the Holy Spirit's saying something, there has to be a response. You have to be obedient. Heavenly Father, would you reveal yourself to us? Would you help us to understand your ways? Would you help us to be obedient to you? Put our trust in you. Would you help us to submit to you? Lord, would you help us to walk in the greater, the better years that need to be written? Jesus' name I pray. Amen.